What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, Wellpreneurs. This week, we're talking all about sales. Love it or hate it, sales is an essential part of your business if you're really running your wellness business as a business and not just as a hobby, right? You can't just provide free information all the time. You've got to actually sell things or you're not going to be around very long. In this week's episode, I'm bringing back one of our most popular interviews of all time. We're talking with sales expert Matthew Kimberly all about how to have like non-icky sales process. And you'll see he's just hilarious. And I've, I've heard from so many of you that you just really love his approach to sales and of course, like his humor and his personality. So if you've never listened to this episode before, you're totally in for a treat. If you have listened to it before, that would have been over a year ago. And so I definitely recommend having a listen again because we can always work on brushing up our sales skills. In case you missed my big announcement last week, my husband and I are gearing up for a massive trip. We're going from Hong Kong to London by train. It's going to take us 10 weeks and we're starting next week. So if you'd like to follow along with our journey, we've set up a website about it and also an Instagram account. The website is andouratheradventures.com, andouratheradventures.com, and the Instagram account is andouratheradventures. In 10 weeks, we're going to go from Hong Kong, around China, through Mongolia, across Russia, across Siberia, actually, in February, which is going to be really cold, and then up to St. Petersburg, and then back down through the Baltics and into Europe, and finally over on the Eurostar into London. So it's going to be a really epic adventure, and I'd love to chat with you more about it. I'll try to pop into the Facebook group from time to time when I can get online, but definitely follow andouratheradventures.com if you'd like to see the full journey. Now, the tool that I use that I want to talk about this week is my email marketing program, ConvertKit. If you're running your business online, which at least you're running part of it online if you're listening to this podcast, then email needs to be an essential part of your strategy. Social media can be great, but you're really at the mercy of that social media platform whether or not your people see your updates, whereas email you're in control. So people opt in to be an email subscriber and then you're in control of what you send them and how many communications. And of course, you know, not everybody opens your emails, but still today, even in 2018, it is like the best way online to actually make sales. So if you're still using a program like MailChimp, which I know a lot of people start with, and that's okay. I think if you're just starting and you want like a single opt-in gift and you're, you know, or maybe just kind of dipping your toe in the water. But when you want to move beyond that, when you want to have a few different freebies, when you want to start tagging and tracking the people that have bought your programs and products, when you want to be able to do really cool things like ask a question and tag how people respond or see what links they clicked on or send people in your list different emails or different automated sequences based on their interests, you really need to move off of a free program like MailChimp and get into something like ConvertKit. I've been using ConvertKit for a couple of years and it is 
so awesome. And they just released this really cool visual automation builder, which is a more advanced feature, but it lets you like plan out like visually see all the emails your people are going to receive so you can really build out your sales funnel in the tool. I totally geek out about this. It is so cool. So just for Wellpreneur podcast listeners, ConvertKit has offered us a special 30-day free trial. So if you'd like to try ConvertKit for 30 days and also get a copy of the 30-minute training that I put together on ConvertKit just for Wellpreneurs, then you can sign up for your free trial through wellpreneuronline.com slash ckbonus. Okay, so that's wellpreneuronline.com slash ckbonus. And if you sign up through that link, then you'll get a 30-day free trial from ConvertKit, but you'll also get a 30-minute training video from me. And I'm happy to talk about ConvertKit more in our Facebook group, our Wellpreneur community on Facebook. Okay, now let's switch over to the super juicy topic of sales how to sell, how to feel good about selling, how to have like non-icky selling, and how to sell more in 2018 in this interview with Matthew Kimberly. Hi, Matthew. Welcome to the show. Hi, Amanda. Great to be here. So we're seeing each other virtually now, but the last time I saw you, we were in the, actually, I was going to say on the sunny shores of Cebu, but actually it was swelteringly hot. <laughs> it was sticky. <laughs> it was. Drinking Mai Tais and talking about online business and things. And you're still in the sticky Orient, and yeah. I'm now in the sticky Mediterranean. <laughs> right. So wherever we go in the world, we can't escape the stickiness. <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad that you were able to come on the show, because for anyone that doesn't know you, you're kind of you're the guy that knows about selling. You run the school for selling. You teach people how to sell. And I know that this is something that Wellpreneurs really have a lot of conflict about, this whole idea of selling. So I totally wanted to have you come on to help us get over our fear of selling and, and figure out just how to, how to bring in more clients, how to sell ourselves better. Good. Um, I devoted my life to, to try to help people do exactly that, and particularly those who are reluctant for one reason or another. And I absolutely understand sales reluctance. And it's unfortunately the people who are the most reluctant are the people who don't need to be. The people who beat themselves up most about selling because they're worried about the way that they come across or not wanting to appear too pushy are the people who are blessed with the highest amounts of emotional intelligence and, and EQ. It's because of that that they're concerned about putting their prospect in an awkward position by making them an offer. And therefore, actually, I believe the most qualified people to be selling because that's what we want from a salesperson. We want an understanding person. We want somebody who gets us when we're buyers. We want somebody who doesn't beat us into a corner. And the people who are concerned about being that kind of person are the kind of people who would actually make great salespeople. I, I believe you know most sales comes down to confidence and a little bit of self-work is necessary to understand that when you put an offer in front of somebody that you genuinely believe is going to be of service to them, then you, of course you give them the opportunity to get on board. So what do you think it is? Like what, I'm sure you've met thousands of people that have real hangups around sales. What is it? Do you think what's the cause of that? It's about not wanting to ask for things for a long time. You know, it's kind of beat into us, uh, particularly those of us who were brought up in the UK or the US or the Western world that we kind of get what we're given and, and it's inappropriate to ask for more than we already have. And you should be satisfied with your lot. And, you know, can I have some more? No, you absolutely can't have some more. The Oliver, Oliver Twist story is, you know, comes to mind immediately. I think it's also about, you know, people say that people don't like to ask for themselves because they're afraid of rejection, which is absolutely true. 
it hurts. I've, I've made hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of cold calls in my life. And it can, it can be dispiriting to get someone to say no all day long or worse. And I understand that. And it, you know, rejection in any form is not something that we like to receive, which is why the tendency to play it safe is strong. If you don't ask for anything, then you can't get rebuffed and therefore you'll feel fine and your worldview will be reinforced and, and nobody has, has challenged you on, uh, you know, I asked and I didn't get it, so I'm not going to ask again. You can only ask a girl to go out with you so many times before you give up unless you're unusually persistent or, or any other example of, of, of making a request. But I'm not sure that's the main reason. We also hear that people are afraid of success. And I think that's nonsense. I think nobody's afraid of success. I think if we were handed success on a silver platter and said, hey, Amanda, here's a big plate of success, you'd say, oh, thanks very much. But very often we're not prepared to, to do the work to get it. You know? And this is not, it's not a damning indictment of anybody, I understand. You know, if I got up earlier, then I could fit in breakfast before I had to jump on the tube and go to work. But I'm going to have the extra hour in bed. You know, we tend to be short-sighted when it comes to the long play. I think the main reason, though, that we don't like to ask for the sale, which is, you know, a salesperson is somebody who makes sales happen, as opposed to an order taker who receives orders, like in a, uh, if you're selling commodity or if you have a monopoly or if you are working in a supermarket checkout, you are an order taker. A salesperson is somebody who initiates the sale, makes it happen. And the reason that we are afraid to initiate the sale is because we don't like to change the nature of the relationship with the person in front of us. So I'm getting on really well with you, Amanda. We're, we're getting on fine. I think you'd make a great prospect, but I'm just going to wait until you come to me because I don't want to be seen as pushy. I'm going to wait until you come to me because if I ask you for the sale, then you're no longer, you're no longer going to see me as this nice guy. You're going to see me as somebody who's trying to trap you into some kind of commercial relationship. And that's nonsense. I believe that that is nonsense. I believe that you'd have to be really ignorant to damage a relationship by asking somebody to become a customer. I think we do occasionally get pissed off with salespeople who don't get the message that we're giving them. So would you like to buy my thing? You know what? Thanks very much for your offer, but I'm going to pass today. Well, here's, why, here's 10 reasons why I think it would be great for you. Yeah, but I'm not really in the market today. Well, can I ask you why not? That's my worst. That's the, that's the worst. Can I ask you why you're not interested? Yeah, you can ask me why I'm not interested if you want me to unleash your whole boatload of kick-ass. But yeah, isn't, isn't my word good enough? But most of us won't do that, right? Most of us won't keep pushing past the sale because we've got too high levels of emotional intelligence. The vast majority of people get other people. Psychopaths and sociopaths maybe don't. And they make quite persistent salespeople, but they're not, you know, the, the happiest or the most well-rounded or the most loved. So the way that I like to reframe this for my clients and for, and for anybody who listens to what I have to say is to ask them, ask you, let's say, Matt, you're my client and, 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 and I'm asking you to put yourself in the prospect's shoes. So you're having a conversation with the prospects and you think, what is this prospect thinking right now? Are they thinking that it's pleasant having a conversation with me? Yes. Are they exhibiting signals that they would potentially be a good customer or a good client for me. Yes, they are. Okay, well, let's not pass up on that opportunity. Let's ask them if it's consider, or even better, let's tell them that it's something that they should be looking into. And then let's see how that lands. And when we see how it lands, what is almost guaranteed is if we do it right, that our prospect will not be offended, they will not be upset, they will not be pissed off, they will probably be curious. And if they exhibit interest, they'd like to find out more. Then you have the opportunity to present your solution to them. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, we don't like to change the nature of the relationship with our prospect because we think somehow they're going to be angry, upset, or pissed off. Whether we voice that, even though we know that's not actually the case, um, we tell ourselves that. When was the last time that you were pissed off when somebody asked you to buy something? When was the last time you were angry when somebody said, hey, you should totally check out the program that's done by this guy because it's great? Or, hey, you should definitely look into, into my having a chat with my personal trainer because she's fantastic. Or, hey, my nutritionist is awesome. Do you want to meet her? The answer is normally, yes, thank you for thinking of me. That would be great. Rather than, I'm so offended that you, that you spoke to me. Yeah, really, so you're right. I would say, yeah. Sorry, the only um, time it gets annoying is when they push and push and push and push. I had somebody as I was walking down the street give me a sample of face cream. Oh, and I took it, and that was a mistake. Because then I got roped into this horrible hard sell, hard sell, right? But that, unless that they sucks. do that, that yeah, yeah, that really sucks. We don't like the hard sell at all. If we can present it in such a way that which we can always, then we haven't got any issues at all. We present it in such a way where we say, "Listen, I'm a nutritionist." Oh, that's great. Tell me about being a nutritionist. Well, what I do is I help people go from feeling generally pretty rotten to feeling awesome all day long. Well, that sounds fantastic. It really is. Listen, um, do you want to hear a little bit more about my program? Or do you think that would be something that would be great for you? Yeah, sure. Right. Well, here we go. Let me enter into my pitch. Let me have a conversation with you about it. That's it. That's how it goes. It's super simple. Um, I'm really excited. What are you excited about today, Amanda? I'm really excited about my new Worldpreneur program. Oh, great. Tell me about it. Well, it's for people who work in the, in the health and wellness industries who are, uh, who, who are looking to get more clients, make a living, earn more revenue, and have less stress. Well, that sounds interesting, Monday. It really is. Listen, it starts in June. Would you like me to send you all the details? Sure. In fact, I tell you what, why don't I tell you now and get you signed up if, if, if it's something that feels right for you? Okay, great. It's super simple. It's super simple. It's about identifying the buying signals or the, the interest signals. Interest is qualification, right? So you have to qualify your prospects. When they exhibiting signals or signs of interest, then we have the opportunity to move in and have a conversation with them. It's not about lead, talking them through a sales page or standing up in front of them with a PowerPoint presentation, getting them to sign there and then. It's just about letting people know how they can invest in you. And if they like you and they trust you and they need what you've got to offer and they have the funds or they have access to the funds, then they should be able to, they should be able to become your client. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Because I feel like that makes it sound, it makes it sound really simple, actually, and, and not like some scary sales process. And I think I was chatting with a client yesterday and she said, well, when I'm in my house behind my computer, I'm a health coach. But as soon as I step out the door, I stop being a health coach because I never want to tell anyone about it. And I think basically what you're saying is the sales process. I mean, I think she's not alone in that. I've heard that from a lot of people that they're, they're uncomfortable talking about what they do. And I think basically like the sales, what you outlined for sales is you're really just talking to people about what you do. And if they show an interest, then you can just invite them to go further. It's not like some scammy, sleazy, pushy sales thing. It's just in the context of a conversation. Absolutely right. And, you know, I'm a huge proponent of the Book Yourself Solid system that was created by Michael Port. And if you don't know Book Yourself Solid, I'd say that's required reading, mandatory reading for any service business owner, whether you've got 100 members of staff or, or if it's just you on your own. And there are a couple of really key components from that, which spring to mind when you're, while you were talking about it. The first one is that when we talk about what we do, we should be crystal clear. I mean, crystal clear in real language, not in industry-specific language, not in obscure language, not, definitely not in creative language. But if you're somebody who is a, a nutritionist, right, then and people say, what is it you do for a living? You say, oh, I help people feel fantastic by changing what they eat. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I eat a diet of fried food and, and 
potato chips. Great. Well, yeah, I could probably help you. Um, <laughs> whereas if you, say, if you say, for example, you know, I think in the life coaching industry, people come up with very woolly like my favorite is my favorite is everyone says I empower women to live their most vibrant life. Like, yeah, you just took, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I, I, you know, step into your greatness. Yeah, or unleash your power. Step into your power. Step into your greatness. Unleash the inner divine goddess. Blah blah blah. You have to ask yourself: Is if 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 you're a service professional who who is self-employed or or who you know works on their own, chances are. It's going to be places like supermarket checkout lines, school events, meetings, uh, chatting with, with strangers on the subway, where you're going to have the opportunity to be referred. And if you use language that doesn't make you referable or that turns people off or makes people feel stupid because they don't understand what you're talking about, then you're not going to get the chance to talk about what you do. And so if you say, what does he do for a living? Oh, I'm an empowerment specialist who helps, you know, who, who helps goddesses step into their greatness yeah say right okay well whereas if you say what does he do for a living you say well i do really interesting work thanks for asking i work with ladies aged between 40 and 50 who are feeling a bit to feel great again oh wow you should speak to my daughter Mm -hmm. she's just or you should speak to my mother she's feeling that you should speak to my wife or my sister the person you're speaking to probably you know statistically if you've chosen a tightly enough defined target market isn't going to be in your target market but if you talk about what you do clearly enough then you'll be easily referable you'll be easily referable. And that's, and that's critical. And the other part is the, is the four-part super simple sales conversation, which comes straight from Book Yourself Solid, which is if you're talking to someone who's generally qualified because of the conversation you've had with them, right, they'd be a good candidate for your services. And you say, well, what is it about your diet that you're trying to change? And they say, well, you know, I've, I've got a bit of a, an affliction for comfort eating when I'm feeling down which is regularly, it's, okay, well, that's, that's a shame. And I guess you want to change that. Yeah, I do. It'd be great if I could stick to a healthy regime. I know I'd feel better. I'd be more inspired to think, okay, okay. So is that something you'd like some help with? Well, why do you ask? Well, because it's exactly the kind of work I do and, and I'd love to work with somebody like you. That's the other thing. I don't think we should ever be shy of looking our prospects in the eye and saying, I'd love to work with you. You know, you, you and me would be great together. I am excited. Now, there's, there's a difference between putting your client on a pedestal and worshipping them. And being enthusiastic. Many salespeople put their client on a pedestal, start to tiptoe around their prospect. They get their asses whipped by the prospect's buying system. And rather than try to say, right, here's your offer, here's your deadline, they say, well, what would really work for you? And will you get back to me at some undefined point in the future? And I'm I'm terribly sorry to bother you. And I'm sure you're very busy. Well, no, actually, nothing's more important than the conversation we're having right now. So you walk in there like the consultant, like the professional, like the medical professional that's going to save their life, or the legal professional that's going to get them out of hot water, who never kowtow to their prospects. Can you imagine going into a doctor's office and the doctor saying, well, thank you so much for choosing me. I'm really very grateful that you made the trip all the way here. It must be very difficult. Or you walk into a lawyer's office and you're, you're not a big, big, like multi-billion dollar client of theirs, but you walk in and you say, I think I need legal advice. They're like, right, well, sit down. And I will come and sit with you and assess whether you're allowed to become a client of ours. That's the way that, you know, that's the mentality that we should have. We are in control and we are the prize. But it doesn't mean that we should disrespect our clients. And by getting enthusiastic about it, it allows them to get enthusiastic. When I used to pitch uh, corporate services to big companies, that was the approach I always used. Because most people call and say, hi, we can definitely help you with your telecommunications needs. Please tell me, list the seven most important reasons that you like to use the telephone. And they'd go, cold call, hang up. Whereas I'd say, listen, I need some advice. I would love to work with your company. 
how can we go about doing that? Who do I need to speak to? I think it'd be exciting. I can help you, I'm sure. And, and you know, my job now is to see whether you, you agree with me. So how can we have a conversation about that? And it's about being human. It's about being human. And, and you know, a lot of copywriting advice, a lot of traditional sales training tells us that we have to have glib patter and we have to be able to enumerate the features and benefits of our offers. We have to be able to handle every possible objection so that our customer rolls over and allows us to tickle their belly into submission. And it never works like that. It's just about intellectual honesty. Where you walk in, you say, if it's right for you, I would love that we become customers, that you become my customer. What do you need to know in order to make a decision like that? Well, I need to know how much it costs. I need to know what's in it for me. I need to agree. Well, let me show you some specific case studies, some specific examples, some specific reasons why I'm the best person for you mm-hmm. and, and run with it. Can I just pull out one thing that you said there, which I just want everybody to take away from this conversation, which is you made a passing remark at that you shouldn't just leave the ball in the prospect's court. And I think this is a mistake that I see over and over. And fortunately, I learned this in the corporate world when I was working in sales is that you always take the next step for yourself. So you're always in charge of the next contact. So you never say to somebody, oh, okay, well, here's how we could work together. Why don't you get back to me next week? Because then yeah. you, have no, you have no reason to follow up with them again, right? And they're going to... This is critical. And if you, want, if you want a really good education in this, you might be familiar with it, Amanda Reed. You can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar by <laughs> David Sandler. David Sandler is the creator of the Sandler system. And he's written a whole treatise. And it's, it's really very, very powerful stuff on how to manage the customer sales process. Because I think he said, if you don't have a system for selling, you're going to be at the mercy of your prospect's system for buying. And your prospect system for buying, particularly in the corporate world, which might be, you know, maybe, maybe less relevant for your audience, but I think all of the lessons apply because we sell to people ultimately, is that we'll do things on our terms. We will even pay invoices on our terms, mm-hmm. you know, 60 days end of month or when it's been approved and you can't send us anything until you've filled the purchase order. And if you want to work with us, you have to complete a request for proposal process. And it's not true. You know, you do not have to do any of these things. And so that's a great book about managing the customer buying experience. And he reiterates this, what you just said about never leaving the ball in the prospect's court so firmly. You need to have a series of upfront contracts. And you might think, well, how can I force a prospect to get back to me? If I make them a proposal and I, and I put the price on the table, how can I force them to get back to me? Of course, the ball has to be in their court at some stage. It does. But by applying two principles, you can wrest control back of the situation. The first principle is that you should never be afraid to say no. You should never be afraid to say no to a prospect. And you give the prospect permission to stop the process at any stage. I would rather hear a no from you than a maybe or an I'll think about it or I'll get back to you later. Obviously, thinking about it time is critical. It doesn't mean you have to force them to make a decision on the first telephone call you have with them. But if they are going to go away and think about it, then you say, great, let's agree. Let's have an upfront contract. You don't use the words upfront contract, but Sandra does in his book. Let's agree on when we're going to pick, pick the ball up again. So the ball is now in your court. When are you going to call me back? I'll call you back during the week. Fantastic. Shall we say Thursday at one o'clock? And you're, agree, you're getting them to agree to what happens next. And it's more difficult to break an agreement than it is to mm-hmm. promise to get back to somebody at some, some stage in the future. But you can even take it a step further. And you say, well, what happens if you don't pick up the ball and throw it back to me? Can we agree on that? And the answer is, yes, of course we can. Great. So if I don't hear from you on Thursday at one o'clock, I will call you on Friday morning at nine o'clock. And then when your boss, who may be your sales manager, or it may be you wearing a different hat, says, what's happening with this prospect? What's happening with this proposal that's out there? You say, 
Friday will know one way or another. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That's much better than, I'm so excited. I've got 20 proposals out there. I'm going to be rich. Because days go by, weeks go by, people stop returning your calls. Not because you've done anything wrong. It's just because you're probably not their number one priority. Really. I mean, you might think you should be, but you're probably not. So the proposal goes out. Unless you set the cadence and the speed for the follow-up and you get them to agree in advance. Now, is there still a chance that you won't get hold of them at nine o'clock on Friday morning? For sure. But are you more at at which stage? You you write to them and you say, listen, I understand that you're not ready to make a decision right now. That's absolutely fine. I will contact you again in three months. Unless I hear from you in the meantime, uh, it's been wonderful working with you. I hope we get to work together in the future. Boom, move on, find a prospect who's willing to commit. Mm -hmm. Uh, so critical, so critical. And, and I used to really beat my staff up, um, uh, metaphorically, not actually, <laughs> when, when I was running a recruitment company and I'd say, what's happening with this proposal? And they'd say, waiting for them to get back to me. I'd say, no, get on the phone and work out exactly when they're going to get back to you. Mm-hmm. I'm having flashbacks to my corporate job when, my, when our director used to say the same thing. What's the next yeah. step? When's it going to happen? And it's true because if you don't, if otherwise they just, it floats out there and everyone gets too busy and, and as a small business for the, most of the solopreneurs listening, we just don't, you don't have time for that. Your time's yeah. too valuable. So some yeah. of the best, some of the best sales trainers in the world teach this concept one way or another. David Sandler has his submarine uh, and in a submarine, you can always, you know, even if it starts to let on water, you can lock the previous compartment. So that the idea is you move your prospect through each compartment of the submarine until they're in the final stages, which is trapped, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, make a decision. Um, Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, teaches the straight line system. And the straight line system, uh, excellent, excellent training material. He, he says your job is to get them from A to Z in a straighter line as possible. And even though there will be obstacles and deviations and people always try to pull you away from the next step, your job is always to pull people back to the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, often seen as, yeah, I mean, if you were to design a, a pipeline, a sales pipeline in Salesforce or in PipeDrive or in any other kind of sales management CRM system, you would be required to specify what step comes next and you move people literally through each but step. I think from most people don't know. Yeah. Most people don't know. I mean, most solo practitioners, you're just, you don't really have a sales process. And I think that's where you were talking about the book yourself solid book. That's where that comes in. Right? Yeah. And also, you know, I, I definitely recommend my school for selling then. Thank you for the of course. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. opportunity for me to uh, effortlessly mention that in my school for selling, <laughs> I have a very, very straightforward, you know, 45 minute, 50 minute training session on how to design a sales process. And it really is what steps mm-hmm. do I need to do? First, I need to attract their attention. Secondly, they need to become aware of me. Thirdly, maybe we exchange emails. You decide what it is. You know, it's not, it's not written in, in, in stone. Thirdly, maybe we talk on the telephone. Fourthly, I make a proposal. And fifthly, they must follow up within a certain time frame. And then, you know, lots of people will start at the beginning and um, fewer people will end up at the end. But your job is to move people through the sales process, which isn't the same as a funnel. Can you talk about that just briefly? Yeah. Why is uh, so it not sales, the same as a funnel? Well, a funnel, is, a funnel dictates the idea that if you can picture a funnel in your head, it's a kind of inverted triangle, inverted pyramid with a wide gap at the top and a narrow gap at the bottom. And a sales funnel dictates that people come into your business by making small purchases and then, or small commitments, maybe, you know, a commitment of time or a commitment of energy or giving you their email address. And then some of those people will filter through and the narrower the funnel gets, the fewer people there are at each level of the funnel. Let's say it's a funnel with four different levels. And the people at the bottom of the funnel in the tightest part of the funnel will be the ones spending the most money with you, and there'll be fewer of them. But the idea is everyone comes in at the same point. Everyone has to come in and, and, 
and spend cash. So that's more about the customer's buying cycle, mm. customer's buying process. The, the, the sales pipeline is what happens before they become customers. Right. So before somebody becomes a customer, they have to go through several steps. Once they become a customer, according to those who practice the sales funnel, they then make a small purchase and then that some of those people make a bigger purchase, some of those people make a bigger purchase, some of those people, few of those people make an even bigger purchase. That is a concept that works very well for many people, but we mustn't exclude the fact that lots of people don't want to buy your ebook before they buy your high price mastermind retreat. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy to say if someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, I just saw you speak on stage for forty-five minutes, and I definitely want to become a premium coaching client." For you to say, "Wait, wait, wait!" First of all, you've got to give me your email address. Then I'm going to sell you my seven-dollar ebook. Then you're going to do my two hundred-dollar video training. Then you're going to attend my five hundred-dollar retreat, where I'm going to upsell you on my program. No, you'd say, "Great, give me your money. Let's get started." That's what you'd say. So, and then people's trust develops at different times. So, uh, Amanda, you might have known me for. 45 minutes, you've watched me speak, you've, you've never even heard of me before, but in those 45 minutes of me speaking live on stage, you are convinced that there's nobody better in the world mm-hmm. to be your personal coach. So you're going to come up with 45 minutes experience of me and write me a check for fifteen to $20,000. Somebody else, uh, who's not you, Amanda, obviously doesn't exhibit the same great taste as you, has been on my mailing list for three years or four years or five years, and then writes to me and says, hey, Matthew, I've read every single email you've ever written. For the last five years, you'll be pleased to know that last week I bought your book for three dollars on Amazon. So it took <laughs> that person it took that person five years to spend three dollars, yeah. but it took another person forty five minutes to spend twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So different people have different needs, different levels of trust, different you know are, are attracted to you for different reasons. So I believe you should always, rather than force people into the top of a funnel, is give people the overview. Here's my carousel. Here's my suite of services. Mm-hmm. Which one feels right for you? Can I just do a little plug for your email list? Because to anyone out there that wants to learn to write good, engaging emails for their audience, I think Matthew's, Matthew's brilliant at it. Your emails are hilarious. You're really so good. kind. So can you just tell us where people can go and sign up for your list? Yeah, the best place to go is matthewkimberly.com. If you spell it wrong, I've probably got you covered because I own every permutation of, of Matthew Kimberly that redirects, but it's Matthew with two T's and Kimberly L-E-Y at the end. So MatthewKimberly.com, or if you just Google Matthew Kimberly, I, I should be the first one. And I'll link it up in the show notes too, but it's really, your emails are actually really, they're very, very funny. I have a policy that they shouldn't take me too long to write and I should really feel it. There was a stage where I used to write an email every day and that was great practice, great discipline, short 400, 500 words emails. I became a better writer. I followed the advice of Ben Settle. I don't know if you're familiar with Ben Settle. He teaches copywriting, specifically daily email marketing. And I did that for a while until, and it was fun and it was great discipline, but it, it, it became forced for me. And I got to the stage where I was unhappy with the vast majority of emails I was sending out. So now I email far less frequently, but whenever I write one, it's because I'm excited about what I have to say. And, and, and as you know, Amanda, most of the time I might just be sharing a story. A lot of the time, it'll just be nonsense or, hey, this has been on my mind, guys, how are you? And then occasionally, I'll send out a a series of concerted sales emails over a three to five day period, which I think I'm forgiven. You know, I think it's okay if you show up and and, and most of, well, I know I'm forgiven. You know, the results results show that. In fact, some people say, please sell us more stuff. But I think if, if you earn your right to stay in people's email inboxes, then trust grows. I spoke to a client last week or the week before who actually um, flew me to Kenya and Tanzania to do some training for his clients. And he said, I will buy anything you recommend, Matthew. He said, because you're 
recommendations have always been solid. And that really hit home for me because I'm now at the stage where I'm pitched weekly, multiple times on promoting somebody else's offer. And even if I love the person that's doing it, and even if I know that it's good, unless I can 100% get behind it, that's going to cause more damage than anything else. So I promoted, I think, two things this year, and I'll probably promote another two. But saying no to people who've been good to you in the past is tough, Mm -hmm. right? But it there are other ways of serving people rather than becoming an affiliate marketer. And if if you are a wellness professional who is making the smart choice to supplement your income by promoting carefully selected products and services delivered by your colleagues or, or, or suppliers or something like that, it's great. But bear in mind that every recommendation you make, you will be judged upon how that person delivers. That's so true. This is a whole different conversation, but yeah, I get pitched all the time. Well, will you promote my course and my different products? And you have to be so careful because it all reflects, you make a bad recommendation and then that, that damages your relation, your, yeah, your reputation. So I I don't want to keep you too long, but there's something I absolutely want to talk about, which is something that I think almost everyone listening is struggling with. So I'd say the vast majority of wellpreneurs are selling a service. Mm-hmm. Right. And the classic way we're taught to sell a service is to do like a free strategy call, like a yep. free strategy session. So could you just kind of give us some advice or your tips or your take on how to make those effective? Yeah. First piece of advice. I think they're great. I think they work very well. And I see that people at every level of service provision is doing these, whether they are multi-million dollar companies or whether they're just getting started. I think a couple of things are really critical when you're going to be doing them. One, you should qualify the people who are going to be getting on the phone with you. And I don't think it should be the first thing that they do. You know, if I come to your site, if there's a contact us button, that's fine. If there's a telephone number on your site, even better. But if your sole offer is sign up for a free session, then I believe that you devalue, especially if you're, if you're a one person, you know, practitioner, I believe you devalue the, your time. You devalue your time if, if the entire call to action front and center on your site is sign up for a free 45 minute consultation. Also because people aren't stupid. You know, people understand full well that, that, that a consultation is not offered for free. It's offered in the hope that you will become a customer. So I actually prefer in the intro, I think qualification is critical, you know, qualifying the people that you get on the phone with. So I would do, I would position it behind the scenes. So not front and center. I would say, if you are interested in becoming a customer and you would like to find out what that experience is like, let's get on the phone and talk about it. I will show you how I can help you. I will help you. I'll offer you some advice. I'll offer you some guidance. And I'll give you full details on what it means to become a customer with me. Don't worry. There's no obligation. But I want people coming on the phone understanding that there's going to be an offer at the end of it. And then when they get on the phone, I would put them at ease immediately because they're going to be sitting there going, okay, when's the sales pitch coming? When's the sales pitch coming? When's the sales pitch coming? I would tell them. And discomfort is very bad for receptiveness. If you're not feeling entirely comfortable, you're not going to be receptive to my message. So I would lay it out immediately. I say, right, uh, you're probably expecting a sales pitch. I'm going to do that in the last five minutes of this call if it's something that I feel is appropriate. So let's spend the next 25 minutes talking to you, getting to know your issues. I'll tell you about how I work. And then if you agree and if I agree, then we'll have a conversation about what the next step could be if you qualify. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. So now relax. You know that at the end of this call, five minutes, I'm not going to trick you. I'm not going to do any neuro-linguistic programming crap on you. I'm not going to hypnotize you. But the reason I do these calls is to find my best clients because I can do magic with the right people. And if you're one of those right people, I'll make an offer. And then, and then at the end of the call, you can ask them. You can say, so based on everything you've heard so far, do you want to hear what my offer is? And they will always say yes, if, if it went well. 
They would just have curiosity. Even if it didn't go well, they'll say yes. Mm -hmm. But here's what's critical. You've got to have a program to put them into. I don't know how many coaches who offer coaching as the product have told me, well, you know, I'm so bloody good as a coach that at the end of my 45-minute consultation, I've solved all their problems, so they don't need me anymore. What would you do with that situation? I've heard it so many times. They say, they come with a problem, I solve their problem, and they don't need me anymore. They say, thank you. And the problem is not that you solve their problem. The problem is that you haven't got anything to sell them. Amanda, I could spend eight hours on the phone with you. Uh, it'd be a huge pleasure. But you would still never have received my school for selling. Mm-hmm. Right? So sure. based on the time we've spent together, um, are you interested in finding out my offers? Yeah, well, I've got this fantastic online training course. It's called The School for Selling. It's self-paced. You get help whenever you need it. It's, it's, it you know, it's changed the fortunes of hundreds of business owners. And they might say, well, what's different to what we've discussed over the last eight hours? You go, well, you haven't done The School for Selling. <laughs> so if people say, you know, um, so are you interested in doing some life coaching with me? I say, well, what does that entail? Well, we get on the phone and I coach your life or whatever it is that life coaches do with respect to life coaching. You know, I, I have engaged and worked with and hired many life coaches in my life. But if the only thing you're offering is blocks of hours, they'll be like, well, you know, I just had 45 minutes and it was okay. But you haven't made me hungry for your proprietary intellectual property. You know, if, I were to hire, if you were to hire me today, Amanda, I wouldn't say, great, well, we meet every month for an hour and I help you become a better salesperson and it's $10,000, I would say, here's the structure that we walk through. Here's what you get in there that you can't get anywhere else. They might have had life coaching before. They might have had nutrition advice before. But what they get from you, they can't get anywhere else, which is why so many people try so many different diets. Mm-hmm. Right? What can I, why am I going to do a different diet? All diets are the same. No, you haven't done the fireman's diet. You haven't done the Atkins diet. You haven't done the cabbage soup diet. All you've done is the this diet, that diet, the other diet, the other diet. But you keep cycling through these things because even though you've had experience with something similar, you've never had that specific experience. So it's the specific experience that you've got to be selling if you're doing a free strategy call. It's got to be clear that what they're going to get when they become a customer cannot be got anywhere else. It can't be got on a free consultation. Mm-hmm. And that's where I see a lot of people making that mistake. That's awesome. I hadn't really thought about that. A lot of people do say, well, what are you going to get? You know, do you want to sign up as a coaching client? And we're going to meet every other week for an hour and we'll talk about whatever your most important issue is. That's not nearly as valuable as saying, I've got a system. It's proven. You can't get it anywhere else. And I'm going to take you through that system. It takes three months to go through. I actually, you know, I've gone one step beyond that now. and And I think if you can do this, it's even more powerful, which is you sell the result. And if you can promise that, you know, my result is you will make more money. You know, you will have more sale. You will make more sales. And I look at, you know, I make a very specific promise based on what their situation is. You know, if they're currently in a situation where they're not generating any leads, well, they wouldn't be working with me. But let's say, you know, they, they, they um, were generating X number of leads, but they wanted to increase the conversion rate. I'd say, well, why don't we work on doubling conversion? Why don't we work on doubling the conversion rate? And if that's something you're prepared to commit to and I'm prepared to commit to, let's give ourselves a six-month or a 12-month window. We know exactly what we're working towards. And they say, well, how much time will I get with you? We'll say as much as you need, but I want as little as possible time because there is zero correlation between the amount of time we spend talking on the telephone and whether you're going to get the result that you paid for. So you know, I'd hire a coach who, who let's say my, my, my intention was to lose 50 pounds, whatever that is. I don't know. Imperial. It's a lot. Like, Okay, you probably so, could lose 50 pounds. If you lost 50 pounds, you I, I, I would I would be left with that. <laughs> Let's say that, was my, that happened to be my goal. I want to lose the 50 pounds. I don't want to sit down with you for 10 hours a day. If what I want to do is sit down with you for 10 hours, then I'm going to go to a therapist. And so many coaches for therapy just by accident. But when I got started, I did. 
I'd say I would sell a package of hours. It'd be like 16 hours, um, and we work through the Book Yourself Solid system, so it's a hybrid. But at the end of that, I say, right, so here's what you've got to do to keep up your end of the bargain. Because you know, a coach doesn't run the field for you. A coach doesn't swim the lengths for you. A coach doesn't do the push-ups for you. A coach tells you what to do, and you go and do it. Or a coach supports you in what you're doing and helps you do it better. But you've got to be doing the doing. Otherwise, you get um, an employee or, or an assistant or something like that. And if they didn't do that, or if they weren't doing that, We'd come back and we'd have endless conversations. And you know, I used to have people cry with me at the beginning of... Uh, and I'm the least good person for that. There are some coaches who, who encourage that because it's about emotional breakthroughs, etc. But I'm not interested. I can't deal with that. I feel very awkward if I have a lady, because it was always ladies crying, on the other end of the phone with me. I literally don't know how to do it. And I'd end up sitting there doing therapy. I'd say, well, did you have... Did you initiate five sales conversations this week? No. Why not? I'm just not feeling it. Okay, well, let's talk about why you're not feeling it. And all of a sudden, you're a therapist rather than a, rather than a coach. And I think that's, that's problematic. So now I prefer to offer the result. What is it you're working towards? Let's define what the end result is. And all the actions that we take will be towards that. And it could often be very, very simple, right? I'm not having enough sales conversations. Okay, so our aim for you is to have 20 sales conversations a week. Yeah, okay, so let's reverse it. That's what, we're gonna, that's what you're going to engage me for, to get you to the stage where am I having tw- where I am having 20 sales conversations a week equals true. That's what you're going to engage me for. Right, so I will then put my hat on and I will reverse engineer what, it, what needs to be true in order for that to happen. So, okay, in order for 20 sales conversations a week equals true, I believe that you need to be generating X number of leads or X number of prospects. And I believe they have to come from this particular area. So this is the first thing you need to do is market or advertise in this area. The next thing you need to do is have a system for converting these leads to become prospects to get them on the telephone. And if we can, and you need to do the work, right? You need to do the work. But when we've reached that stage, so we'll have a couple of strategy strategy sessions. I may have finished my work with you in three weeks which I think actually makes me more valuable. And you should pay me more if I manage to get you that result quickly rather than a six-month engagement costs more than the three-week engagement. Nonsense. I think the result is what, is what we should be charging for. Mm, I think that's a lot of food for thought for people, actually, because that's a good point. If you can get them the result faster, that's more valuable. That's yeah, if you go to the dentist yeah. and you need root canal, he's like, well, if you want, I can take eight hours over it and <laughs> or I can take eight <laughs> minutes over it. Which do you prefer? Eight minutes and I'll pay you double, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. This has been great, Matthew. Thank you so much for being here. So we'll send people in the show notes to check out your school for selling, to sign up for your email list, matthewkimberly.com. Anything else? Any parting thoughts? Oh, I love book recommendations right at the end. Can you give us, other than Book Yourself Solid, which Mm -hmm. you already talked about, what's your? do you have a favorite inspiring or educational business book? I'm going to plug my own book here, Amanda, because I occasionally get the opportunity oh, to. Just open how, that. <laughs> how to Get a Grip by Matthew Kimberley is the definitive self-help book. Don't read it if you're offended by nasty words. Uh, it's 288 pages of effing and jeffing and blinding, but it will give you a kick in the pants if that's what you need. So How to Get a Grip by Matthew Kimberley. I recently read and enjoyed Built to Sell by John Warriller. A great book if you want to design something more than a service-based job, but you actually want to build a business which can be sold. And I think that's a good measure of whether or not you have a business or a job. Many of us have jobs, and that's fine. Many of us claim to be entrepreneurs when really we're freelancers. That's fine as well. But I think it's an important distinction. If you want to be able to build an asset that can be sold, you need to build a business. And Built to Sell by John Warrillow is a book that made a big impression on me recently. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. And there we have it. 
filled with sales tips to make your 2018 amazing. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. As always, you can get all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget the tool of the week this week is ConvertKit, which is my very favorite email marketing tool. And you can get a 30-day free trial of ConvertKit plus a 30-minute training on how to use it from me if you go to wellpreneuronline.com slash bonus. Okay, have a fantastic week, Wellpreneurs, and come join us in the community group. There's over 3,000 of us in there, and we're going to talk about sales this week and lots of other stuff too. So I'll see you over there in the group and back here next week with the next episode. Bye.